we have a full table tonight. We got JC next to me as our lovely guest. We also have JT across from me as always. Welcome to the show. It's Out of Bounds with Dylan James. And we have a very busy schedule tonight. But on top of that schedule, we have the one, the only, John Cameron Hall, also known as JC, also known now in college as John. Yeah, I dropped the middle name. I, I didn't like John Cameron. John's just a lot easier to tell people. And, you know, you're wanting to be cool at college. You want to be more mature at college. And you feel as though your middle name makes you sound a little bit childish. Yeah, it's like, hey, I'm John Cameron. Instead of, like, yo, what's up? I'm John. They're like, oh, yeah. That. So now I get to go by John Hall, which is the like the the easiest white name of all time. They're like, such an original name, man. John, okay. Well, it's good to have you here. Thank you. We haven't had you on the show in a while, so it's good to uh, hear about some Florida Gator football. We'll talk about that in a little bit because John is very excited about that. But JT, how's it been going with you, sir? It's been going good, Dylan. Uh, just actually uh, tried the new Wawa place that opened up literally right down the street from my house. So me and my roommate went there for lunch today, and they got all these specials going on, like free coffee for like the next couple of days like 10 days or so and then to do grand opening prices and all that good stuff so you know everyone's going there in Wawa and like the 7-Eleven that's like right across the street like nobody's going there so very excited and in that area by Victoria Park Apartments they're also building a Taco Bell and they're also going to build a, an Audi you know those Swedish uh, grocery stores. Okay. So they're gonna put Aldi, one of those. not Audi. Oh, Aldi. I thought you were Aldi. talking about the car for a second. I was like, <laughs> man, Davenport is going Aldi. big. Aldi. Aldi. All. All. Aldi. Nope. All. A. Just say A L L. All. All. Then say D. D. Aldi. Aldi. And there. You Sounds go. like all day, but we'll work on it. It's close. It's close. All right. Well, that's good. Davenport doing big things. Getting new stores and Wawa is a great addition to that area. So, kudos to you guys in Davenport. Expect my rent to go up. Yeah, it will. <laughs> it will be. Needless to say, your area is becoming highly sought after. So, anyway, let's get back into it. Uh, let's talk about the NFL. The week two in the preseason is almost done. We have one more game left remaining starting tomorrow night, but we'll talk about the other games we had this weekend. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans. First of all, they had a very good outing with the starters. Wasn't very good for the second and third string guys, but hey, for the starters, Mark Marcus Mariota looked pretty good, looked efficient. He was, I believe, four, four of seven for 80 yards and a touch, two touchdowns or something like that. Anyway, um, he had a really good week. Uh, Blaine Gabbert played a little bit as well. He was 10 of 16 for 116 and a touchdown. And uh, Luke Falk was out there for the end of the game, 8 of 12 for 64 yards. So not too bad from the offense, but the defense looked a little rusty out there. Jameis Winston came in as the backup quarterback last night after Ryan Fitzpatrick graced us with his presence on the field in Nissan Stadium. And Jameis lit it up. He actually had a very, very long reception to Deshaun Jackson during the game. That looked very good. Deshaun looks like he has his speed back. And um, our cornerbacks didn't really know what to do out there a little. It looked like the uh, our depth for corner is not really good this year. But hopefully it 
improves in the next few weeks before the season kicks off in week one. But JT, what were some of your observations last night? Well, either the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are really good or we were really bad. But, you know, it's preseason. I don't think in Nashville it's time to panic yet. It's early. But we had some bright spots. You know, Marcus Mariota, like you said, did very well last night or last night on Thursday. And one of the wide receivers, Taewon Taylor, did pretty good. He got two touchdowns in that game. So the Titans, you know, like it's a work in progress. They got a new coach. Players still learning to figure things out. But I expect week one, the Titans will be ready. I think they will be too. Taewon Taylor, like you said, he had a good night last night. He had one reception for 47 yards that was the touchdown of Marcus Mariota's evening. It was a screen pass. And LeBron James actually tweeted out saying, um, pretty much talking about his speed, saying that he was a speedster and um, how fast he was. So, you know, he's getting attention. This team is getting attention this year. And it's kind of different from what we've seen the prior years. Usually Titans are under the radar and they're not really being noticed. But with the new head coach, with the way that Marcus Mariota has been playing, um, and also our wide receiver talent, I think we'll do some good things this year. And who knows, hopefully our defense does um, get better for the regular season because they haven't really been the best so far. But it just takes time for cornerbacks to get in the rhythm of things and to get cohesion in the backfield, things of that nature. But we'll see what happens. Um, so any other games that stick out to you this weekend, JT? Well, at work, all the Eagles fans were freaking out because the Patriots basically returned the favor one like big on Thursday night against the Eagles. But like, again, it's it's early. Everyone's trying to make the squad, make the 53-man roster, all those things. So nothing to freak out about. It's just good that we're seeing football again. One team that might be a little concerned is the Denver Broncos because the Denver Broncos have had a, a real rough t- night last night with their quarterbacks. And Dylan, your boy Paxton Lynch, he did not look good last night again. Yeah, he did not. He had a chance to actually win the game, drive the ball down the field for at least a late, a late game field goal. Um, that didn't happen, though. So it, it, he looked kind of confused out there. The fans actually booed him several times when he was on the field. He was not looking good, but Chad Kelly, on the other hand, actually had a pretty good night. Um, and it's and it's crazy to think that a guy that went last in the draft did better than Paxton Lynch did, which Paxton Lynch was heralded as a very, very good quarterback coming out of college, coming out of Memphis, and uh, that didn't really happen. Uh, JC, do you have any comment on that? I mean, like with, with Mr. Irrelevant, Chad Kelly, I mean, you, you were there um, close to Ole Miss. I mean, you watch a lot of college football. Mm-hmm. Um, did you think that this could actually happen with Chad Kelly, that he would actually be um, a pretty good quarterback in the league? All I know is Swag Kelly's the GOAT. That's all I can say. <laughs> all right, great. That is a great commentary by John Cameron Hall. Um, so J- JT, what what would you say about um, that situation in Denver? What, the sh- what should they do with their quarterbacks there in Denver? It sounds like to me Chad Kelly's the man. That's who you got to go with, give him more reps. As you get close to the third preseason game, usually the third preseason game, that's usually, as the Thunders roll in down here. And the Thunder rolls. <laughs> That's the man I feel you should go with. He's been the hottest. He's done very well in the preseason. And he's outplayed both Case Keenum and Paxton Lynch. So, Paxton Lynch, he has to figure it out, man. He got demoted to the third string, played with the third string roster, and he's still going to get out. Five for 11, only got 39 passing yards. And I'm, I'm worried, Dylan, that if he keeps going south, he may not make the opening roster. So, he's got to pick it up. 
Also, the Denver defense has to do better as well. They're, they haven't been the dominant force that we're used to seeing on the field with Von Miller and, and players such as that. I mean, two years ago, they were in the top five. Last year, they were like, I don't know, in like around the 20th uh, spot when it came to total defense. So um, I think teams are starting to realize how they work, how they play. And so they're going to have to figure out some other way to uh, penetrate offensive lines to get to the quarterback and go from there. But but while we're talking about getting to the quarterback, can we talk about the penalties we've seen this weekend when it comes to defensive players hitting the quarterback, hitting players, things of that nature? Um, it just seems like it's gotten out of control, especially in the Jaguars game. We saw a wide-open defenseman come and break the offensive line, come around the corner, and sack the quarterback, it looked like, but he was penalized for roughing the passer. So in theory, what I think is happening with the new implementation of their like of their rule that they're putting in, like the targeting type rule, what they're trying to do is like maybe uh, make an overcorrection right now for the preseason, like get as much film on the penalties that they're having, saying, "Hey, this is actually a penalty. This is not a penalty," and they don't care. That's preseason, and so in theory, in the regular season, they'd be able to fix it, but in reality, they're not. They're still going to mess this up, and it's still going to be bad in the regular season. Is what I'm thinking. So, what do you think they could do to prevent this kind of thing happening in the regular I'd season? Get rid of the rule completely, but it's just their way of pretending to care about player safety. Yeah. I mean, they are getting paid millions and millions of dollars to play this game. They know the risks of this game when they join the sport as a child. They know exactly what they're getting into. They see uh, CTE. They see things of that nature um, with these football stars that were from the old days. Um, you know, the ones that were pioneering the sport now they're talking about you know they're trying to make it safer game um it, you know there have been so many tweets on on twitter talking about let's make this flag football already um let's just two-hand touch or something you know because it seems as though it's going to that and that's why a lot of people have been going to college football recently too because college football they are actually um that's a really good product to watch nowadays i think college football is is a top a top product uh, compared to the NFL. The well, NFL except has, for the targeting rule, which they've still been trying to fix since the 2013 implementation of that rule. Yeah, but other than that, though, is there really anything else besides that rule that makes the college football sport worse than the NFL? Oh, there are some pretty bad rules in college, like the, the no running clock every time you get a first down. Um, if you kneel inside the 25 now, you it takes the ball automatically out to the 25, which starts this year. So the... Uh, I, I do like the overtime better than uh, the NFL, but besides that, there's some college rules that are slightly worse than the NFL, which I think they should just automatically adopt in ma- exactly what the NFL is doing for the most part. But would you rather watch NFL or, or NCAA? NCAA. Okay. JT, NFL or NCAA? No, it's clearly NCAA. You know, college football, the fans, the passion and all that, and the players, you know, they care about it more. And I know right now we only have this 14 playoff. Hopefully they'll get that expanded at some point because you like to see teams make a Cinderella run. They do it in college basketball for their tournament. I don't see why we can't do it in college football. But, uh, you know, that's going to be a decision the NFL is going to have to make. NFL changing all these rules. I mean, come on. It took us 10 years to figure out what a catch is. And I still think they don't know what a catch is. They don't. They don't. I mean, and they've tried their hardest to figure out a description of a catch. But it just seems as though it gets worse and worse every single time. So we'll see this season. I mean, with the coaches meeting this past this past spring, um, they did try to address that in the coaches meeting. They came together and watched some clips and said, you know what, this is a catch. This is not a catch. 
So hopefully they've written the rule correctly this time to where we won't see um, as many discrepancies as we did in, in prior seasons, but time will tell. So um, let's talk about one more thing before we go to NCAA. Uh, the Cleveland Browns and Buffalo Bills played this weekend, and we got to see Baker Mayfield on the field a little bit longer than um, week one. But with the way he's been playing, do you still think he'll be the backup in Cleveland um, and back up Tyrod Taylor instead of the reverse, instead of him starting with the team? I mean, historically, the Browns have had all their issues with QBs and everything. And even though he was the number one overall pick, John Dorsey, the GM of the Browns, has been saying that they're going to use Baker as a redshirt year right now. And I think they can run with Tyrod Taylor for the year. And I mean... They really don't have anything to lose after an 0-16 season. If they win one game, it's literally an improvement from last year. So, I mean, maybe you can throw Baker out there, but I I don't think it'd be the worst thing to let him sit a year and just, like, just watch the NFL for a season. Would you rather sit him a year, or would you rather do the Tim Tebow approach that the Broncos did with him when they had him in Denver? Um, Not Denver, I'm sorry. When they had him with the New York Jets to where he was a secondary quarterback that would come on the field and play, have a few plays under his belt during a game and then let um, Geno, Geno Smith start the rest, of the, the rest of the game. Well, Terod Taylor and Baker Mayfield are kind of similar quarterbacks. So, I mean, Tebow is a different uh, QB than most QBs ever. He's, he obviously has that running ability that Geno Smith didn't necessarily have. So Tebow, uh, like his first year at Florida in 2006, Chris Leak would be the main QB, then Tebow would come in with running packages. So I guess that's what he was doing with the Jets, but um, I, I don't really see a, a point of that for the uh, for the Browns. JT, what do you, what's your opinion on this subject? The Browns, they got to figure out what they're going to do. I mean, Tyra Taylor looks really good. He's done very well in the preseason. I mean, it's, it's a bummer for Age McCarron. Hopefully it's not th- something too serious, but Unfortunately, over the Browns, they just keep cycling through different quarterbacks, different quarterbacks. So they're going to find whoever's the quarterback they can stick with and, and make it work. A lot of people are very optimistic. I was talking to my friend Tony when I was coordinating at Copper Creek this past week. And, you know, he's from Akron, Ohio, but he's yeah. a big-time Cleveland Browns fan. And he's, he's very optimistic. But despite the circumstance, he thinks that they're going to win six games. I feel that at least they'll win – Four games. I mean, they're not going to go winless like they did this past season. They'll definitely win some games. It's going to be very competitive, though, in that AFC North with the Ravens and the Steelers and, of course, the Bengals. But Cleveland, I think they're a little bit more optimistic. They should be okay. They'll win some games. How many, we don't know. But they'll definitely win a game. They're not going winless this year. I mean, the thing with the Browns is that historically they've just had so much staff turnover and roster turnover. They've just had no consistency for the longest time. They just It's just a turnstile at QB. So why not just try to stick with one QB for the entire year and have at least a little bit of consistency instead of just flip-flopping QBs? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and also, speaking of winning there in Cleveland, when they do win their first game, there were 10 local bars in the Cleveland area that had Bud Light refrigerators installed with a lock on them. Once they win a game, though, that lock unlocks, and the people in those bars can have that beer for free. It's a fully stocked beer fridge, essentially, and uh, they can drink Bud Light for free for that first game. So um, I'm hoping for Cleveland to win a game this season. That would be great for them to have that beer because you would not want to have um, old beer next year. So um, A.J. McCarron, speaking of the Cleveland Browns and the Buffalo Bills game, 
AJ McCarron went down with an injury to his collarbone. It sounds like it's a fractured collarbone. Um, he is going in for a second opinion sometime this week. So we'll get more information about that for the show um, for next week. But hopefully it's nothing too serious for AJ. Hopefully he can uh, bounce back quickly because he had a promising career in front of him as well. Um, so a fracture like this could set him back a few weeks at least um, in the league. So we'll see what happens there. We'll keep you updated. Now let's go over to NCAA. John Cameron, today Florida Gators had their scrimmage game. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if we have any information from the scrimmage game yet, but what do you know about the Florida Gators, Florida Gators this season? Are they going to be good? Are they going to be bad? Are they going to be mediocre? Like, what's going to happen this season? I mean, the best thing I can tell you is Dan Mullen's the greatest coach of all time. <laughs> Florida Gators, we're going to go 15-0. and We're going to make that run. We're going to beat Charleston Southern. We're going to beat Tennessee. We're going to beat Kentucky. We're going to beat – we're going to beat LSU. We're going to beat Mississippi State. We're going to beat Bama in the SEC championship game. We're going to wow. beat uh, Ohio State in the you national championship game. You heard it here first. Game. You heard it here first. Oh, and you think that Ohio State's going to the national championship game? Uh, I was just a guess. What uh, if no, Urban, Clemson, how about that? Clemson without Urban Meyer? I'm going to say, without Urban Meyer, I don't oh, know yeah, where speaking, they're going. Speaking of Ohio State, Urban Meyer, that decision's supposed to be made today whether he stays or not. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll get more information about that during the show. If not, we will break it on our Twitter page um, about Urban Meyer's decision well, the decision by Ohio State for Urban Meyer because he's definitely not making that decision himself. So, in all reality, do we think that Urban Meyer is going to stay? I think what the Ohio or what Ohio State was trying to do was give make the investigation a few weeks long, and basically let the let the press and everybody die out down all the all the hype about this, and basically just like let the story cool down, and then say, hey, we're going to keep him, or we're going to give him a game suspension, or something like that, because. To be honest, if I'm Ohio State, I'm not trying to fire the second best coach in the NCAA. Yeah. No matter how much how much of a garbage human being he is, uh, you know, with Ohio State, it's very difficult. It's a lot different than that. What's going on at the University of Maryland with DJ Durkin? Mm-hmm. I think with Bob Pierce, we had both one last for, week. Uh, both former Gators. I know, yeah, right? <laughs> Crazy. It's not a good thing, though. We also have Aaron Hernandez, who is a former Gator. So we, hey, he's innocent. That's all. Well. <laughs> We'll never know now. We'll never know. Anyway, so I was saying, uh, with the University of Maryland, we had Bob Peters on here last week to talk about what's going on over there. And we heard the office of the parents came out and say, hey, we're not taking any settlement unless the coach is gone. I think Maryland did the same thing. They're trying to take blame. But I think Maryland's going to have to fire the coach for them to move on, get out of that situation. For Ohio State, as much as people think Ohio State should fire Urban Meyer, I personally don't think it's going to happen. Like what uh, John was saying, they're trying to drag it out, just trying to make an investigation, just make it like it's taken seriously. But at the end of the day, Urban Meyer's been winning them championships and all this. And despite this little blimp with what happened with the assistant coach back in 2015, Urban Meyer's going to stay. They're, they're not going to fire him, especially going with an interim coach. We saw this happen with Ohio State a few years ago when they let uh, uh, Trestle go. And how that worked out. That was a, a firestorm. And I just think, Dylan, that for Ohio State, you know, that's what they're going to do. They're going to keep them. So we'll see. It's a long season. And college football, as you know, Dylan, there's always going to be drama going on during the football season. It all has to do with the boosters. Now, we haven't heard much firestorm from the boosters, in my opinion, um, on this topic. So at the end of the day, if the boosters are happy and they don't see that as, this as a huge deal, they're not going to fire him. I don't think that Urban Meyer will be 
um, jobless tomorrow. I really don't think he will be. I think he'll still be the coach of Ohio State. I think they might keep a tighter leash on him because of this situation, yes. Um, but at the same time, I think at this point, the only way Urban Meyer is leaving is if something really bad happens, if he commits a serious crime while he's there, or he just stops winning games. Well, I have two more thoughts about the situation, which I why I won't think they will fire Urban Meyer is... One, you have the uh, the legality of his contract. That's if they do fire him, that's probably close to a forty million dollar buyout. And I mean, even though these colleges are lot, making a lot of money, they're investing a lot too. Well, I'm sure there's some sort of clause in that contract talking about this situ- this kind of situation. Mm-hmm. If something happens to where it's a legal issue, then I don't think they'll have to do that buyout. Yeah, but if you do fire a coach like Urban Meyer, how far does your program drop and how much money do you lose from that overall? And second of all, the reason why I don't think he'll be fired is his value. Whether it's fair or unfair in the real world, this is how it actually works. His value is insane compared to other coaches like DJ Durkin when they do not necessarily similar things, but similar in like how bad they are. Yeah. No, I DJ Durkin has done nothing in his career to basically prove that he can get away with certain things while Urban Meyer has won a national championship and done things and made a program one of the top five in the nation. And he keeps going to the college world, the college uh, football playoffs. playoffs. So every single year he's going there, they're not going to release a coach of that skill set um, and of that caliber just because of something that happened three years ago. So I think that you I think we're all in unison here saying that Urban Meyer will be the head coach of Ohio State tomorrow afternoon. Um, so let's move on to just a few notes from the NFL. AJ McCarron, like I said, his collarbone fracture. He's seeking a second opinion. Defensive end Marcus Smith got cut by the Seahawks and another cut that just happened today that was kind of a shocker. Safety George Iloka from uh, the Bengals, Cincinnati Bengals was released and he started every single game he's played in since 2013 and they, but the Bengals also saved $4.1 million in doing so. Um, so there's another safety on the free agent wire that someone can pick up. And I'm sure a team will be picking up in the next week or so. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. And also, Josh Gordon is returning to the Browns. So does that mean no Des Bryant in Cleveland? Well, speculation is doing that for Des Bryant. The Browns and his representatives were talking to him to negotiate a contract. And it looked like it was going to get done by the end of this week, or this past week, I should say. But once the news came out on Friday about Josh Gordon, that's put those talks on hold. So I don't think the Browns are going to sign him unless something happens during the season. But he's still a free agent, so someone's going to take him if a major wide receiver goes down. So Des Bryant got released in April, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was a while ago. Today is August 19th. Doesn't that just show you how little value Des Bryant has nowadays compared to his like 2011, 2012 days? Does it mean that he has no value or does it mean that he is seeking too much value? I think that there are teams out there that are willing to give him a contract. Uh, we saw that with the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were excited to get Des Bryant on their team. They offered him a contract, but he didn't like what the terms were of the contract. So he said, no, thank you. So, so he's overvaluing certain, himself. I think he's overvaluing himself. Yeah, I think I think at this point, Des Bryant needs to sit back and say, you know what, I need to prove myself. Because last year and the year before that with Dak Prescott being under center in Dallas, I didn't show any of my skill set whatsoever. I didn't show that I'm a quality wide receiver anymore. So I need to go on a team, have a prove-it contract, and at the very end of that contract say, give me my money. If I've made a, a, an impact on the field for your team – then offer me a contract that's larger than the one you offer me. But at this point, I think that 
Des Bryant needs to go out there and just accept a contract from somebody. Somebody. It doesn't have to be somebody who's going to be giving him $3 million, $4 million a year. I think that just like a $2 million contract for just a one-year contract, I think that would be perfect for, for Des Bryant. All as I a know is Des Bryant's going to be 30 years old in the 2018 season, and he has not had a 1,000-yard season since 2014. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that once you get older as a wide receiver, you're going to – have less yardage. You're going to have less receptions. But at the same time, you should still be producing somehow. You should still be out there um, being a team player, not giving up when the play is dead, um, things of that nature. I, I think that Des Bryant just did that on the field because he just didn't care at a certain point with Dallas because Des, because Dak Prescott wasn't going to be throwing the ball to Des Bryant in the first place. So he was going to check the ball down to his wide receiver. He was doing in dink and dunk throws instead of actually throwing it down the field. And that's where Des Bryant shines, is, is down the field. So, you know, having a contract kind of like Deshaun Jackson had with Tampa, I, I think that would be perfect for, for Des Bryant. I think that Des Bryant could do something good with a football team on the field. But it just, you know, he has to uh, prove it. He has to accept any contract he can and get on the field and prove it. So that's my take. Anyway, uh, let's move on to some hockey news in the NHL. The Detroit Red Wings retain restricted fee agent Dylan Larkin and signed him to a five-year contract. He led the team in points with 63 last season and played every single game. And for an 82-game season, that is quite impressive. Um, but we also have some news from the Nashville Predators. They actually signed defenseman Ryan Ellis to an eight-year, $50 million contract extension um, to stay with the Predators for the foreseeable future now. So congratulations to Ryan Ellis for getting his payday. Um, but this was definitely a hometown discount. I think that he knows how good the National Predators are. He likes the guys that are on the team right now, and he thinks that we can win a Stanley Cup in the next 10 years. So he's wanting to stay with the team for as long as it takes and um, see some good things happen in Nashville in the next few seasons. Hopefully a few Stanley Cups come our way, but getting at least one, I won't be picky. That'll be fine. Uh, One Stanley Cup is good enough for me, so... Hopefully we get at least one with Ryan Ellis on the, on the roster. Um, congratulations once again to him. And I can't wait to see what happens with uh, the Preds next season. And also, some news coming out of the Orlando Solar Bears. JT, we have a new affiliation um, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I know on our last episode, Dylan, you pushed very hard for your Nashville Predators to sign an affiliation with our Orlando Solar Bears. We were so close. So close. But... Apparently, G- GM Steve Eisman beat the Preds to the punch, and they announced it earlier this week. So the Tampa Bay Lightning will, offend, will end their affiliation with their their current team, which was the Adirondack Thunder, and go with Orlando. And GM Steve Eisman said, The Solar Bears organization has demonstrated a strong commitment to success that has paid off for numerous playoff appearances. We look forward to bringing, bringing a part of their future accomplishments while also developing our prospects and a world-class Environment. So let's go for Tampa Bay. It's only an hour away. Their prospects won't be that far away, so good for them. Um, the Lightning will also be playing a preseason game at the Amway Center in September uh, against the Florida Panthers next month. So that's very exciting for them. They'll be doing that. And it's a three-year deal. So it's not like a one-year deal and then goodbye. No, they're they're in for it for the long haul. So it's good for our Tampa Bay, and I see benefits for Orlando. Tampa Bay did really well. They were one round away thanks to my Capitals, for making the Stanley Cup Finals. So, 
Tampa Bay, Dylan, they're really good. Those guys aren't going away anytime soon. They're a good team, yeah, and definitely having this connection with the Central Florida area is very, very good. Um, so hopefully we'll see some fruits of that labor coming out of uh, the Tampa area and the Orlando area as well. And um, hopefully we'll see some more Tampa action right here in the heart of the city beautiful. So um, speaking of other news in the NHL, Wayne Gretzky is named the global ambassador for the KHL's Cunlin Red Star hockey team, um, which is the greatest accomplishment for him to add on to his numerous accolades that he received um, as a hockey star in the NHL. Yeah, Dylan, as part of this partnership, Wayne Gretzky is going to develop like youth camps up in Beijing as China will be now the next host for the Winter Olympics, which is in 2022. Uh, the Chinese national team is trying to make some runs to get hockey as a growing sport because Kunlan Red Stars is the only team that has a professional hockey team in China, and they're playing in the KHL, the Russian Hockey League. So they're hoping to develop that sport and get it going, and we'll see how that team does in four years' time. But it's good for Wayne Gretzky. You know, he's the global ambassador for hockey and going around the world. He, He's a famous hockey player, legend in the world today, so he's still doing big things. I know it didn't work out for him as a coach with the then Phoenix Coyotes, but he's doing good uh, for the league and elsewhere outside of the, the teamwork. So he's done pretty good. So good for him. Yeah, very good. Well, let's move on to our, well, JT's favorite segment of the week. It's JT's football recap of the week. And JT, the microphone is all yours. Thanks, Dylan. And as always, Out of Bounds, we're here to recap the latest from the beautiful game and from our weekend recap, man, European action is getting crazy. Let's start with what happened today up in Brighton as Brighton and Hove Albion shocked everyone in the Premier League as they defeated Manchester United 3-2. Manchester United, Jose Mourinho had the team look a little sloppy today, and they didn't get a chance done. Lukaku making his debut, and it just didn't work out for Manchester United. They can't get anything going, and their defense was in shambles today, Dylan, in that game. I watched that game. Rough game for Manchester United, and they got to keep up with Man City. They finished 19 points behind them in the Premier League last year, and starting out the second game with a loss, not looking good. Also, what happened in Europe today, Inter Milan, they lost their opener in Serie A against Sosulo, 1-0. Real Madrid and Barcelona both won their openers in La Liga this past weekend, and Ronaldo made his debut yesterday against Serie A against Giovo Verona. And Ronaldo did not score a goal, but he did help his team come back twice to win that game, 3-2, in the dying minutes in that game. Dylan, Seattle Sounders had a game last night against the LA Galaxy. Sorry, Dylan, your boy Slatsan Ibrahimovic did not play, as he did not play in turf. And the Galaxy also did not have their DPs, Jonathan Dos Santos and Giovanni Dos Santos. And the Galaxy got hammered 5-0 by the Sounders. The Sounders, I believe they've won six games in a row now as they are climbing up a table in the Western Conference to make their late push into the MLS Cup playoffs. And then, of course, Kylian Mbappe, the star from the French national team in the World Cup, he saved PSG, bringing them back from a 1-0 down deficit against Guignop to win that game 3-1. So that recaps my action for the weekend recap. For Orlando City, Dylan, we were here last Sunday. They were playing against DC United in typical Orlando City fashion, Dylan. We did not win. <laughs> what else is new? What else is new? <laughs> Man, that game was crazy, Dylan. I, I missed the game, but I caught the highlights. And Orlando City was up twice. We were uh, up with a draw 2-2. Look at where we were gonna get a point, which would help us in the playoff push. But Wayne Rooney had other ideas. As he tackled Will Johnson, goes down the field, hits across to 
Acosta and yeah, Luciano Acosta, and he scored the game winner in the dying minutes in the 92nd in stoppage time for them to win. And Wayne Rooney's been impactful. He's only played five games for DC United, and he has three goals and three assists already. So Wayne Rooney's looking good and might carry DC United for the playoffs. As for Orlando City, we are slipping down the table. We are currently in 10th place. But hey, Dylan, I got good news. We got a big game this Friday against Atlanta United. Oh, boy, the team we've never beaten. No, never have. Oh but boy. hey, any day's a good day for Orlando, so let's see if we can possibly beat him this weekend. Let's hope for the best, Dylan, at the Purple Palace on Friday night, 8 o'clock, ESPN. In the city, beautiful. That's right. <laughs> As for the ladies, Orlando Pride, they had a heartbreaking 3-0 loss yesterday against the North Carolina Courage. North Carolina Courage have already topped the NWSL League. They're going to be the top team in the playoffs. And for Orlando City, Orlando City, Orlando Pride, excuse me, they have two games left now. They got a big game on Saturday against the Chicago Red Stars, and they got a finish up the season against Sky Blue FC. They're currently in fifth place in the NWSL. So for Marta, Camila, and Alex Morgan, it's pretty simple, ladies. we got to win the next two games and beat the Red Stars, of course, because they're in fourth place ahead of us to try to make it into the playoffs. So we'll see what happens with that, Dylan. On to some soccer news. La Liga, could they be coming to the United States to play a game? I mean, uh, us American sports, Dylan, we're doing we're sending an NBA game to London and sending NFL games to London. We're playing baseball in London now. Why not? Let's bring... Spanish football to America. Uh, not so fast, guys. We got to still wait for FIFA, the United States Soccer Federation, CONCACAF, and UEFA to approve that. So it's supposed to be a 15-year deal with relevant, relevant sports as they're trying to boost La Liga, get more attention to compete with the Premier League and get a new TV contract because right now they're on being sports until the 2020 season. So we'll see what happens with that. Other news that happened, Dylan, was sanctioning drama as the USL D3 with its 10 teams that they submitted. So it's going to start Division 3 next year in 2019. NISA is also the independent Division 3 league that's going to start, but they're going to start in the fall of 2019 and do a fall to spring calendar season. And they will have a winter break in the middle. So very interesting with that to see how Division 3 drama happens next year between those two leagues. As for Chattanooga, last I heard, because I mentioned about them last week, the pro team and Chattanooga FC are working with Finley Stadium, home to Chattanooga Mox. It's very possible, from what I'm seeing on social media, that those two teams could share that stadium as they play their seasons next year. So we'll see how that happens in Chattanooga next year. David Beckham, he's been busy, Dylan, getting his Miami team rolling. As Miami, they at least the logo, the potential logo is not official yet, but it's got two cranes on it. It says Miami, it says the year 2020. And I think they, they're signing on the team name. It looks like it's going to be called Inter-Miami FC. Not official yet, but that's been the rumor. So we'll see how that goes. And Austin, of course, the council, they voted this past week 7-4 to give Anthony Precourt his option to move the team. Nothing official on that deal because they still got a battle lawsuit with MLS in Ohio to see if that team's going to be willing to move. One speculation, Dylan, is that Mark Wahlberg is interested in buying that team, the Columbus Crew, and he's already talked to the representatives and looking into it and see if that's a, going to be a possibility. So for MLS, you know, it's pretty simple. I mean, they don't want pre-court there. Why don't you just have them get a, a team to have them move to Austin? Then you give Columbus an expansion team. Let Mark Wolberg buy the team. You got in the state. You got the money. You got this. Then you can play next year anyways because you got to balance the conference. And then have Mark Wolberg buy the team. There you go, guys. And then he can have those jerseys said sponsored by Columbus Crew, sponsored by Wahlberger. There you go. It just makes sense. Huh. 
We have a Wahlburgers here in Orlando anyways. We do. I haven't been there. Dylan, have you been there? It's fantastic. It's good? It's very, very good. Yep. I'll have to yep. try it out sometime. It out. All right, guys. Now my games to watch for the week. On Tuesday, we got Swansea City taking on Leeds United. That's going to be the championship game 245 on ESPN+. Wednesday, you got the Hudson River Derby, New York City FC against New York Red Bulls. You can catch that at 7 p.m. on FS1. Uh, you guys, you got Champions League's playoff round as well. That's on Bleacher Report Live. Friday, you got the LA Galaxy against LAFC. El Trafico at 10.30 on ESPN. Saturday, the big European game is Napoli against AC Milan. That's 2.30 on ESPN+. And then, of course, Friday, the Bundesliga starts. Bayern München takes on TSG Hoffenheim. That's going to be at 2.30 on FS1. And that, guys, will conclude my football recap of the week. On to miscellaneous news. The WNBA gets ready for the WNBA playoffs as the season wraps up today. There are a few seeds still to be determined when it comes to um, the playoffs. But, JT, who's your favorite going into the WNBA playoffs? Man, Dylan, you know, the Seattle Storm have been very impressive in the WNBA playoffs. Too early for the NBA. (laughs) Close. uh, They've been really impressive, dominating run in the league. Uh, Brianna Stewart had you know 22 points to help to secure the number one seed. So I think the Seattle Storm are the favorites, Dylan. But don't sleep on teams like the Minnesota Lynx. They're the defending champions. You gotta give take them respect. So we'll see how they do, Dylan. But those are the two teams I think they're gonna compete for the title this year. All right, sounds good. So let's move on to another piece of news here. Jose Altuve is set to make his first Triple A appearance in his career. For a rehab assignment, he will be heading to the Astros as early as next week, but he is still recovering from a knee injury he sustained um, a few weeks ago. So hopefully Jose Altuve will be joining the Astros soon so we can start seeing some playoff baseball in our in our future. So that would be great to see. Um, now let's move on over to our segments, winners and losers. Let's go first with JT. JT, I'll start with you first. Thanks, Dylan. So my winner this week is going to be Lisa Bington, 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 Bington. I'm working on that. <laughs> I apologize, Lisa, if I, I bought if I bought your name. Forgive me there. Daniel Sl- Danielle Slayton and Katie Whitham, as they're making history, as they're going to be the first all female crew to broadcast. Uh, they're going to do a soccer game, DC United against New England Revolution tonight on FS1. Uh, they're making history because Dylan, they'll be the first all female crew to, to broadcast a major sport out of the five major sports. So that's going to be very awesome to see. Uh, hope I'll get a chance to catch that later tonight. Uh, it's history being made. My loser this week, Dylan, is the L.A. Clippers as they decide to fire Bruce Bowen as he made some comments about Kawhi Leonard. And you've been doing this for quite a while. I don't know why the Clippers got so ticked off about it. And he said, you know what? We're going to fire you anyways. Just get out of here, Bruce Bowen. He's playing with the Spurs. What do you expect, Clippers? And you really think that you're going to have a shot to get Kawhi Leonard? I know he wants to go to L.A., but he wants to go to Lakers, not the Clippers. So they're my loser this week. Dylan, who's your winners and losers? My winner this week is going to be Carson Wentz. He has been cleared for 11-11 drills, and I'm sure every single Philadelphia Eagles fan is jumping up and down for joy by listening to this broadcast when I tell you that. So um, welcome back, Carson Wentz. Hopefully you're as strong as you were last season, and um, hopefully you're as good as last season because it's going to be some big shoes to fill uh, from watching Nick Foles. And obviously, uh, there was some sort of injury from Nick Foles um, last night during his preseason game. So hopefully, he gets back soon, too. Um, so, yeah, Philadelphia looking good so far. And my loser this week is Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch is my loser, and he should be everyone's loser. Um, he is dropped, he is 
fallen from grace, as they say, in the Denver Broncos quarterback depth chart. And he was quite upset with the demotion, but, you know, use that aggression, use that um, anger and play better on the field. But obviously he can't because he didn't play that well against Chicago Bears this weekend. So hopefully something happens good for him. But again, Paxton Lynch, you are my loser for this week. So let's move on to John. I'll well, use his college his college name, John. Well, my winner of the week is Urban Meyer because he's going to get cleared by Ohio State after being a human piece of garbage. And my loser of the week is the Buffalo Bills for drafting Josh Allen because he is a six foot six trash can with a big arm. All right, great. <laughs> that was great commentary there. Let's head into the final thoughts of this episode. A very short episode, but final thoughts, JT. Hashtag save the crew. I, I just hope with this situation with going on Columbus that, you know, MLS finds a way to, to make it work. I mean, Anthony Precourt, what he's trying to do that the city is wrong, trying to just basically what Art Modell did when he moved the Browns to the Ravens or Baltimore. So MLS, you know, you got to figure out something and work this out. To me, the easy solution is you let Precourt go. You're going to expand anyways. Don't tell me you're going to just stay on 28. We know you want to be NFL level and go to 32 teams. So that pre-court, move the team, get an expansion team, whatever, do whatever you want to do with the team. You leave Columbus there, you sell them to Mark Wahlberg, and Mark Warburg, Warburg, excuse me, can <laughs> buy the team and does what he wants to do with it, man, and get celebrities, get that stadium built, and they're going to have a downtown stadium. So you follow hashtag say the crew people on Twitter, they got a downtown stadium in place, so it makes sense. Uh, Austin, Austin, I, I used to live not too far from the Austin area. Uh, I know soccer is very popular there. So I hope the Austin fans, if they get a team, you know, they'll support it and make it good. And we'll see because Austin's going to be the next battle still like Chattanooga because they have a USL team there already. So we'll see how that goes. But that is my final thought on the latest Soccer Wars drama. John, any thought for us for you, sir? Uh, Urban Meyer sucks. Ed Orgeron <laughs> sucks. Willie Taggart sucks. Curry Smart's a cheater and he sucks. Nick Saban, I hope he dies. Whoa, Jeremy wow, whoa, okay, um, <laughs> wow, that went. Uh, Family Gus, show. Gus Malzahn <laughs> sucks. Uh, Mark Rick sucks. Wait, what about UCF? Uh, uh, Scott Frost, <laughs> but he's not there anymore. Josh, he's in Nebraska. Josh Hupel yeah. sucks. Charlie Strong sucks. Butch wow. Davis sucks. Wow. Lane Kiffin sucks. Dan Mullins the GOAT. That's all I need to know. Wow. Jeremy Pruitt doesn't suck. He wasn't in that list. No, he sucks. Well, he wasn't in the yeah, Tom Herman wasn't in that list sucks. either, so I think we're good. Long yeah, Tom Herman, uh, Tom Herman wasn't there. Hook him horns! Jeremy Pruitt wasn't there either. Dabo so. Sweeney, I respect. <laughs> Great. Uh, Will Muschamp Bobby sucks. Ba- we might as well go all over, man. Bobby Bowden. Jim McElwain, Hump Sharks, he sucks. <laughs> wow. Uh, Jim Harbaugh sucks. He, he, was, he was your man last no, year, and, and I hate him now. I hate wow, him. Wow, look at that. You love him one year, hate him the next. I can't next. believe I supported a coach that humped sharks. I, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, that was him in the pictures. That was Definitely him. so. Jim McElwain humped that shark. You can't, he can't tell you any different. Anyway, my final thought goes out to John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders. Now, there was, a lot of, um, there was a lot of happiness with the Oakland Raider fans. Actually, it's the Las Vegas Raider fans now. Um, but John Gruden coming into town, coaching the team again, um, it, it was it was a good thing for the Oakland Raiders at first. But John, I mean, uh, recently in the past two preseason games that I've seen, I haven't seen anything explosive from John Gruden and his team yet to make me say, you know what, it was a good move to have John Gruden come in there instead. 
So that was the worst contract of all time, bringing him back. Uh, the, I, I he's playing 1942 football and signing 35 year old veterans to run his team. Yeah, I, I just don't understand what's going on with the Oakland Raider franchise. This is all about Vegas, baby. It is. That's what this is all about. Well, I mean, it's it's flashy. It's good to have a, a coach that has a name like that, but they could have gotten somebody else. And they're going to hate him this year when they go 3-13. and 13. Yeah, it's not going to be good for them. Uh, not going to be good for Derek Carr either. Um, I don't think that having a guy like that, so, a young So player, wait, you're thinking they're only going to beat the Broncos twice and they're only going to beat the Chargers once? That's actually, what you're no, I changed my mind. <laughs> uh, Raiders, 0-16. Oh, the new Cleveland Browns. John Gruden's going to be that bad with that gigantic contract. He's going to be Raider Nation hit John up on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, John Cameron call on Twitter. um, Hit him up. But, yeah, Uh, so uh, I need to see more from John Gruden and his Oakland Raiders because um, this far into the preseason, I have not seen anything so far that is making me think he's worth his contract. So but you know who's the goat in the NFL? Sean who? Payton, Saints, sixteen and zero. Sixteen and zero, maybe, maybe. We'll yes. see. Their defense is getting better. It is very good. The Saints are doing much better than they were before. After oh, their no, Super Bowl, more best cornerback in the nation. Yes, actually, no. That's Jalen Ramsey, second best. Alvin Kamara is fantastic Alvin too. Kamara, best. And guess where he came from? Tennessee. Tennessee. He came from Tennessee. Oh, look at that. Technically, he came from Alabama first. Well. He is an Alabama running back. He decided to go to Tennessee instead. Who did he graduate with? That's after he got kicked out of Alabama. Well, he took him to Tennessee. Anyway, um, thanks for listening to the show this week, guys. (laughs) You can follow us on Facebook, Out of Bounds with Dylan James, on Twitter with OOB Podcast as the Twitter handle. You can follow me, Dylan underscore James. And JT, what are your social media handles, sir? You guys can follow me on Twitter. I'm at JTSaka88. That's at J-T-S-O-C-K-A-88. You can follow me on Instagram at JT Soccer Sports, And you can email me. I'm at JT at OutOfBoundsPodcast.com. You can also email me at Dylan, under, at, Dylan at OutOfBoundsPodcast.com with comments, concerns, ideas, things of that nature for the show. Because we always want to make it better for you. John. What are your social media handles? Well, you can follow me on Twitter. If you liked what I said, at uh, John Cameron Hall. And if you didn't like what I said, you can also follow me at John Cameron Hall because I do not care about your opinion of what you think what I think. <laughs> that was very convoluted, but I liked it. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram, Dylan James underscore FL, if you'd like. I do post pictures on there every once in a while, so... Follow us. And while we're giving out information, this is my social security number, uh, 352-274245. Perfect. I have a new identity now. Um, Anyway, have a great rest of your week, guys, and we will talk to you next week. 